0: father we thank you so much for this day this day in which we celebrate the resurrection of your son jesus father i pray that you would bless your word that we would be reminded that we would be encouraged that we would be blessed as we see again what you have done through sending your son jesus to die for our sins and for him rising from the dead lord we praise you for him bless your word as it goes out now In your son's precious name, amen. Well, what do you hope in? If you think about your life, what are the things that you sit and hope for? Uh, What are the things that you focus on? You know, maybe you hope for uh, good health, you know, stable job, uh, a house, a marriage, children, graduation, retirement, whatever you might think of. What do you hope for? But what happens when your health goes out the window, uh, or you lose your job, or you don't get the house you're looking forward to, or your perfect mate, the love of your life, uh, turns away from you? What do you do? What do you do? The reality is, we set our hopes in a lot of different things. But as we're going to see today, there is only one true hope and one blessed hope, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so would you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, and we're going to see how we can have hope in a hopeless world. And by the way, when I say hopeless world, this world is hopeless. Uh, The Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians that uh, they were, before they came to Christ, without God, they were without hope in the world, right? Without God in the world. Uh, Without Christ, you are hopeless. Now, you may have a hope, but it's not a hope that will be fulfilled. There's only hope in Christ that will be fulfilled. So how can we find true hope in a hopeless world? Well, in Luke chapter 24, we're going to see that as we look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ... Now, the Gospel of Luke is the, Luke's inspired account by the Spirit of God. And in chapter one, he says, based on his investigating everything concerning Jesus and carefully writing in consecutive order, Luke is giving us clearly what happens. Inspired by the Spirit. And indeed, the Gospel of Luke is about the Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, in Matthew's account, as we saw last week, we saw and we heard and we understood that the Jews were sitting in darkness, and they were sitting in the shadow of death. And then Jesus came upon them with his teaching. He confronted their wrong thinking. He exposed their sin. He revealed himself to be the Christ, the King, the Son of God, and the only Savior. And he called upon them to repent and believe in him for eternal life. But the Jews and their leaders rejected Jesus. They rejected him. And after being tried by the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, being found guilty of declaring himself to be God, they beat him, they mocked him, they handed him over to Pilate, who then handed him over to Herod and back to Pilate. And Pilate, finding no guilt in him after scourging him, that's being whipped with a leather whip with pieces of bones, at the request of the Jewish people, uh, they chose to release a murderer rather than the king of kings and lord of lords. So we have Pilate, this cowardly politician, delivering up Jesus Christ to crucifixion. And then after being mocked by the Roman cohort, Jesus was led in a shameful procession to Golgotha. That's the place of the skull. That's where we get our word Calvary. And it's at this point he was nailed to a cross. He was crucified as onlookers looked upon and mocked him. He was nailed to the cross sometime around 9 a.m. And around 12 noon, darkness fell upon the land until 3. And during this three-hour period, Jesus hung on the cross. While he hung there, all of our sin was placed in his body. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God became sin for us. And he was separated from the Father for the first time. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And having received the full wrath of God, his, the cup of his wrath for our sin, uh, he, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, took the sin of the world and he died. The work was finished. He breathed his last. It is finished. And he bore our sins. And the work had been done. All that he had come for. He had come, Matthew 121, to save his people from their sins. The Lord is salvation. And now look at our passage. Turn to Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to read up to it. Uh, Luke chapter 24, and we're going to see that this is the first day of the week. It is the first day of the week. Luke 24, but on the first day of the week, early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened why they were perplexed about this. Behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. And we know that the women went out and told the disciples. And Peter and John uh, went back to look for themselves, and they believed. So with this in mind, we come to our passage, where it's the third day, and the Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. And we're going to see that God is a gracious God that even when we are turning the wrong way, God comes to us through his word and confronts us, that we would listen and that we would turn to follow him. Look at verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about the things which had taken place So here, Luke says, and behold, take a look, pay attention, pay attention. He's going to say something important. Two of them, now obviously two of them is speaking of some disciples, the disciples that were mentioned earlier. And that's not the, the, the 12 minus one Judas who had committed suicide. This was not the 11 or the 12. These were other disciples. There were other disciples of Jesus. And two of them, were on their way that very day, very important, on their way to a village named Emmaus. And Luke says, in consecutive order, explaining things very detailed, Luke, Dr. Luke, inspired by the Spirit, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So he's making it clear that these disciples of Jesus are leaving Jerusalem on the third day, and the day is not up yet. They had left Jerusalem, they had left their brethren who were gathered together, by the way gathered together. So what were they doing? What were they doing on this 7-mile walk? Think about how far 7 miles is. That's a little ways. But in these days they didn't have well they had horses, they had chariots, but not the normal people, right? That's a long ways. They're on their way. They're on their way to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And what were they doing? Verse 14, and they were conversing with each other about the things which had taken place. They were conversing about the things that had taken place. Well, what were those things that had taken place? Well, they're going to talk about it in a minute. This term conversing means throwing back and forth. It's almost as if they were debating about what had taken place. And they're walking away. They're conversing and discussing. And Jesus himself, notice this, approached and began traveling with them. I marvel at this. And this is written for us, by the way, and certainly for them as we see it. Not written, but certainly for their benefit as we'll see. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has appeared to some of his disciples, the women already. We read about that. And now he is walking. He comes alongside these two guys who are leaving Jerusalem on their way to Emmaus. And he begins traveling with them. This is marvelous. And so while they're conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. And we see here uh, this the amazing thing. And notice what it says in verse 16. But in contrast, their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Epinosco, it speaks of knowledge. They were prevented from knowing who he was. They were prevented. Now, why would God prevent their eyes from seeing him? They're dejected. We're going to see. They were hoping. We're going to see. Their hopes were dashed. Why would God prevent them from seeing himself? why didn't jesus say look guys i am here rejoice i've risen from the dead look right here look at my hands he doesn't do that he doesn't do the same thing he did with the ladies does he he doesn't do the same thing he did with peter and john as we'll see what does he do here he disguises himself or he 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 makes himself as god unrecognizable to them they didn't recognize him as the christ as Jesus. And God is a gracious God because, as we will see, sometimes we're not ready to see Jesus. We're not ready. We need to see our sin first. We need to see our sin, and we're also going to learn a lesson that God does not primarily reveal himself, as we see in in the New Testament, even through coming alongside. He reveals himself through the Word of God. And we're going to see the Lord Jesus using the Word himself to reveal himself to these disciples and to expose their sin of unbelief their sin of unbelief and he said to them verse 17 what words are, what are these words which you are exchanging with one another as you're walking and they stood still looking sad they stopped in their tracks they stopped what what are these words what are you talking about jesus is saying they stood still looked still looking gloomy sad their countenance that's the word there gloomy sad And one of them named Cleopas, this shows that this is not of the 11, these are disciples, this is Cleopas, I don't remember hearing his name in the 11 disciples, right, but he's a disciple, right? He's not one of the 11, but a disciple. He answered and said to him, that's to Jesus, are you the only one visiting? The term visiting means visiting as a foreigner. Are the only foreigner visiting here at this time? That what? He says here, in Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened in these days. Here in these days, and I love how the Lord Jesus is so gracious to guide us to think about what we need to think about, because our minds stray so quickly, and we go our own way in our thoughts, and the Lord Jesus is going to guide them in a sense, into what to truly, rightly think about. He's there. So they're saying, "Are you the only one aware and aware what's happened?" And he's going to talk about what it is. It's about the crucifixion of Jesus, right? It's about all the things, and he's going to explain it. It's like someone coming here saying, what are those masks for? Have, where have you been? For a year we were locked down and we had to wear masks. Where have you been? Where have you been? Everyone knows that. Everyone saw that, right? And so then uh, they're saying, are you the only one? And Jesus, great, great, wonderful response here, and he said in the verse 19, what things what thinks and they said middle of 19 to him the things about jesus the nazarene the one nazarene who was a prophet mighty indeed in deed and word in the sight of god and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem israel So here, in their answer to Jesus' question, reveals their problem, as we're going to see. Notice his response. The things about Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed. They think Jesus is simply a man. Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet. He's a dead prophet now. He was a prophet. He was mighty indeed and warden the son of god in the eyes of the people in front of the people he was and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to sense of death and crucified him he's a dead prophet where have you been this is what we're talking about but notice what they were hoping for verse 21 but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem israel that's what their hope was in Their hope, after three years probably of hearing what the Lord Jesus has said, they were disciples, after hearing the truth that they should repent and believe, after hearing the truth of their sin that they need a Savior, that He is the Savior of the world. They've come to this conclusion. They were hoping that He was going to redeem Israel. And folks, this is where we get in trouble where we take some portions of scripture that are true and we uh, hope in them out of context. Because the Lord God was going to redeem Israel. The Lord God was going to establish his throne. But they were hoping in that rather than why Christ came first of all and relayed why he came. That they needed a savior from their sins. Needed a savior from their sins. You see, if you're hoping for something and it doesn't happen, then you would have what I call the if-onlys. If only that would have happened. If only this would have happened. If only that happened. But it didn't. If only. And therefore you're sad. And your hopes are dashed. And notice this, how they keep describing it. Verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, now this is amazing what they say, by the way. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day. They understand. Since these things happened. But some of the women um, among us us amazed us Uh, uh, when they were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. (coughs) They came saying that, they have seen a vision of angel, also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. They've heard this news too. They've heard this. And some of those who were with us went and saw the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. Hmm. They've got the affirmation of the reality. They know it's the third day. They have the affirmation of those who saw the resurrection. They've heard that. And they're walking away still hoping that it, he would have been the one that would get israel out of its trouble with rome you know i see so many christians sucked into politics and this christ is a savior to deliver them from the democrats or the republicans or whatever it might be or from communism yes these are bad things yes but that's not what god came to save us from god came to save us from our sins from our sins they were hoping that he would redeem israel that he would pay the price to purchase them out of their bondage from rome as we'll see so how is life going for you is your jesus a jesus for this life only You know, there's a lot of Gospels going out here that talks about Jesus to fix and repair your life. Now, he does do wonderful things. And he will bless you with peace in the midst of whatever happens if you come to him. But there's no guarantee that your life is going to be fixed if you come to Jesus Christ. Actually, it might become worse. Jesus said, I've come not to bring peace but a sword. You may have more trouble when you come to Jesus Christ than you had before. You need to count the cost for coming to Jesus Christ. Jesus very clearly said that. But there's a gospel going out these days that if you come to Jesus, he will take care of everything in your life and you'll be just fine. That's not true. He'll take care of your sin and you will be eternally fine and you'll be blessed forever and ever in eternity with him, but you're going to have the sufferings for the glories to follow. So how are you doing? Have your expectations been dashed? Are you lonely, empty, discouraged, depressed? despairing? There are so many depression drugs out there. Just watch the commercials. Then there's commercials for drugs upon drugs. If your depression drug makes you shake a lot, then take this one. You know, it's all about you and getting out of your, your thing that you're in. And folks, the reality is, man's ways do not resolve these things. Because a lack of hope, in true hope, is always going to bring discouragement. It's going to bring depression. It's going to bring all those things. But here, we see that Jesus Christ is willing to come alongside those who are hopeless. And maybe he's coming alongside you today. You have looked at your circumstances and you have said, there is no hope for my spouse to change. There is no hope for my job to get better. There is no hope for this country. There is no hope for whatever it might be. I give up. Well, Lord God is gracious. And he comes alongside us. He comes alongside us to expose Our wrong thinking about him and about ourselves, as we'll say. So notice what he does when he comes here. It's very important when he comes alongside, because this Jesus isn't like the Jesus of these books that comes alongside and gives a little show in the sparkly era of whatever it might be. It's not a vision of anything like this here. The Lord Jesus does something totally opposite of what the world would think he should do at this point. Notice what he does, verse 25. And he said to them, Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets had spoken. And it's emphatic. Oh, foolish men. You're foolish. You are without wisdom. And you are slow of heart. The word literally means stupid. It could be translated stupid. You are slow of mind to believe. You are stupid to believe. It's kind of an insult. It seems like, but it's not. It's a correct uh, addressing of where someone is truly at. Slow of heart to believe in all the prophets had spoken. Something's wrong. You're lacking understanding. And you are slow. You are mentally dull in believing. That's really what he's saying. He's saying foolish and slow to believe. You could say it this way. Foolish and stupid in faith. Now what was it they were stupid and foolish to not believe in or to be slow in? Notice in the end of verse uh, 25, middle. In all that the prophets had spoken. That's the issue. The revealed word of God that was available to them. And brothers and sisters, we have so much of God's word available to us and we are foolish and slow to believe in so many spheres besides the sphere of those who aren't saved who may be foolish and slow to believe. The Lord says something in his word, and we're slow to believe it. We're foolish to believe it. It says, and all the prophets had spoken. And when that happens, we're going to be sullen. We're going to be depressed because it's going to be about us and our getting fixed rather than about what the Lord God has revealed. Notice what he says. He a foolish man and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. And he continues, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Wasn't this necessary? If these men would have understood and believed the complete revelation that they already had, even in bits and pieces, they would have known that he had to suffer first to enter into his glory. But God is gracious. He's coming alongside him. God didn't say, okay, they messed up. They didn't believe they're slow and hard and messed up. Forget them. Let them just go their way. God came alongside them personally, personally. But if these men would have known that he had to suffer first, for the scriptures were clear, if they would have known or read Daniel that the Messiah would need to be cut off before receiving his kingdom... If they would have read Isaiah, they would have known they would have had to be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, before, and that he would be uh, allotted a portion with the great before that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we see very clearly that the prophets predicted the sufferings of Christ in advance. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 As to this salvation, that salvation in Christ, being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of what? The grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or what time the spirit of Christ within them, in them, by the way, was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So not only did they not believe God's word to the prophets, it's evident they didn't believe what Jesus said either. Luke chapter 9, verse uh, 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and raised on the third day. They didn't believe that. They didn't believe that. So what was that, the root cause of their hopelessness and despair? It is sin, more specifically, a lack of faith in the revealed Word of God concerning Jesus. Concerning Jesus. You see, folks, we're in the same boat so many times. We don't believe what Jesus has said through his word to us, so we are despairing. We don't believe that he will never leave us nor forsake us, so we remain lonely. We don't believe he paid the price we're forgiven, so we stay in guilt and shame, letting Satan beat up on us. We don't believe he's in control and sovereign, so we're angered and frustrated over our circumstances. We become depressed. We don't believe he's preparing a place for us and coming again, so we make this place a home in our hearts. If these men would have believed the scriptures, they would have come to know that Jesus had to suffer before he went to his glory. And he defined the root cause of their problem, lack of faith in what he had revealed concerning himself. A lack of faith. That was their problem. Is this your problem? Maybe some of you are foolish and slow to believe God's word. Do an inventory. What areas am I slow to believe? What areas am I not believing what God has said? Now, for salvation, we need to believe in Jesus Christ. We'll see that. We need to let God define our problems rather than all the people out there that want to define it for us. Let God do it through his word. Let God do it through his word. And it is only after God has defined his problem through, our, through his word, then and only then are we able to accept his solution, which he reveals from the word of God. Because sadly, so many people let people or mankind, with man's wisdom, define the problem. Maybe may be even as emotionally defining it. This is happening, that's happening, so this is what's going on. Rather, or someone says, well, this is what's happened to you, and that's what's happened to you, so this is why you're doing this. Rather than what God says in his word, let him define the problem and then let him resolve the problem through his word. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. I marvel at this. He could have just said, I'm Jesus. I rose. Look at me. Be happy. He doesn't do that because their problem is a lack of faith. Their problem is they don't believe the word of God. And so he shares the word of God concerning himself. And this is how God has chosen to reveal himself. This is a very important lesson for us. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I I marvel at this. I marvel at this. He takes these despondent disciples to the word of God that points to him. And that's what we need to go to. The word of God and look to Jesus. Okay. Very clearly in 2 Peter chapter 1, he has given us, divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. We have his precious and magnificent promises. We have everything we need. The world says no. The Christian world says no. You need this too. No you don't need this you need Jesus and you need him by his word to convict your heart and then to correct your heart and then to train you in righteousness 2 Timothy chapter 3:16 all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for reproof for correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work every good work Moses and the prophets Moses would speak of the Pentateuch, the first five books. The prophets would speak of the writings we have concerning the prophets in the Old Testament. He took them to the things and he did concerning himself. It's about Jesus. He didn't say, let's have a seminar on how creation was made. The Genesis account is not here to tickle our fancy about creation. It is to point to the reality of sin entering into the world and a savior through Eve's seed who would come along and then we would have through Abraham's seed we would be blessed. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to themselves some things concerning himself and all the scriptures. I love the scripture in John 5:39. You search the scriptures because you think in them you'll have eternal life. He's talking to the Jews. They would search it because they thought, if I keep this and keep this and keep this, I will be saved. But he says here, he says, uh, and it is these that bear witness of me, Jesus says, and you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. That's the real issue. The scriptures bear witness of Jesus Christ. And Jesus revealed the things concerning himself in the scriptures. Here it says he explained. The word explained here speaks of translating or interpreting or expounding. They got a sermon from Jesus about himself through the word of God. Wasn't that wonderful? This brings up another point. We can't understand God's word without God illumining it for us. And Jesus was illuminating it for them there. But we have God's spirit that illumines his word for us. That helps us understand so think about this the lord himself explaining himself in the scriptures walking on the seven mile journey he probably shared that he was the seed that would have his heel bruised he probably shared that this bruising would crush the serpent's head he probably shared that he was the seed of abraham in which all the nations would be blessed he probably shared that he's the Passover lamb in Exodus, the atoning sacrifice in Leviticus, the smitten rock in Numbers, the prophet to be raised up in Deuteronomy 18, the king, the anointed one, the son, whom we are to take refuge and worship, Psalm 2. The stone which the builders rejected, Psalm 118. The child who would be born, who would rule, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, father of eternity, prince of peace, Isaiah 9. The one who would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, like a, like a lamb or sheep led to slaughter. The branch of righteousness in Jeremiah, the one coming in the clouds in Daniel to receive an everlasting kingdom, that he would be in the ground three days and three nights like Jonah in the belly of the whale. He could have shared that he was the mighty one to save in Zephaniah, the son of righteousness with healing in his wings in Malachi verse 27 and beginning with Moses and with all the prophets he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures we can so easily get turned away to ourselves to theology to doctrine or whatever the doctrine is teaching but it's got to be about Jesus so that can be an idol focused on Jesus here the things concerning himself himself in all the scriptures the old testament foreshadowing our revealing our sin and foreshadowing the savior jesus christ the new testament revealing the savior and his work on our behalf listen to isaiah 53 who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor an appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and one from whom we hid our face. Men hid their face and despised, we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned his own way. But he has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. God is so gracious to reveal his son Jesus in the Old Testament, to reveal our need for a savior to show the shadowing of a need for a sacrifice, to point to the reality that he would even give his only son to die for our sins. And he did. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead. And Jesus Christ brings salvation alone. There is no other name in heaven and earth that we must be saved. It's through Jesus. And if you've never cried out to Jesus for salvation, do so today. There's a day in which he's going to judge the world. God will judge through Jesus, having appointed him judge of the living and the dead, having furnished proof by raising him from the dead. Turn to the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I believe you're God who took on human flesh. Save me, save me. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus. It points to what he, who he is and what he has done and what he would do and will do. And we see it in the New Testament accomplished. Do you want to meet Jesus? Get into the Word of God. Are you doubting? Get into the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ. Romans ten seventeen. So how do you deal with hopelessness and despair? I bet you might be looking for yourself or your solution in the Scriptures rather than Christ. Look for Him. Look for him. He's the Savior. He's a God who holds all things together. He's a God who gave himself for us. And if you understood and knew the love of Christ, which surpasses comprehension, it would change the way you think about your circumstances now. Get in God's word. That's the only solution to our hopelessness. It is Christ. And notice when you truly believe there are going to be results, there are going to be changes. It's going to be changes. Look in our passage. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would not go farther. So they're walking along. They have a seven-mile journey. They're about there. They've had a long talk about the whole Old Testament and how it pointed to Christ, right? We see that all the scriptures, him and the scriptures. And they urged him, saying, stay with us, for it's getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them was one of the first results of him sharing the scriptures. They wanted to stay with him. You see, when the word of God is working in your heart, you want more of the word of God because it shows the God of the word. When God is working in you, you want to hear more. You go to the word of God, you want to hear more. And notice their eyes were opened. Verse 30, And it came about when he reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and breaking it. This is our savior Taking time out for these guys. Two guys walking away. Taking time out to deal with them for our benefit and for their benefit. Blessed it, breaking it. He began giving it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Their eyes were open, passive. They, they didn't get opened on themselves. They didn't open their own eyes. Their eyes were opened. God opened them. And they recognized him. And look at verse 35. And they began to relate to the experiences on the road, how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. It's my thought. They saw the nail prints. They saw it was the savior. Their eyes were opened. And they saw him. When are our eyes opened? When we accept what God says about our sin by faith? When we believe in the Savior Jesus Christ for salvation from our sins, our eyes are opened. But folks, we can willingly put blinders on them by turning away from the Word of God, by turning away from the God of the Word. I posit to you that if you're going through trouble and there's not a joy in the midst of that trouble, even though you're, you're having trouble, that your eyes have been pulled off Jesus. Turn back to Jesus, get into the Word of God and allow Him to help you see yourself in Him rightly and notice when that happens you're going to have a desire to be with him look at our passage of verse 31 and their eyes were open they recognized him and he vanished from their sight wow this is amazing and they said to one another were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road that is awesome their hearts were burning within them as he was speaking about himself from the scriptures Right? And he says in the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us. Wonderful. I sure hope we get to see the replay of this in heaven. Wonderful, wonderful. And notice, there's another result. These disciples who are walking away now with Christ wanted to be with him. They wanted to be with him. And the word was working in their hearts. The word's working in their hearts. You can know when God's doing a change in you. His word is working in you. It's burning within you. It's, it's changing you. You're, you're you're drawn to it. It's it's affecting you. It's convicting you. It's correcting you. And notice they had a desire to be with those who knew Jesus. This points out the fact that they were leaving because of their lack of faith. But they're going back. Verse forty three. And they arose this very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying. The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. Obviously, Simon said that he had appeared earlier, and they didn't believe it. He's really risen. He's really risen. He has really risen. And if God has worked in your heart, you're going to want to be with God's people. You're going to want to be with God's people. You're going to want to share about him with God's people. And so we see here the Lord has really risen. So what do we do if we are without hope and without God in the world? We need to listen to what Jesus has to say about our sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Believe that he died for our sins and rose from the dead and call upon him and you will have an eternal hope, an eternal hope. Then for those of us who are believers, we forget practically speaking what God has said and declared. We forget, practically speaking, we serve a risen Savior. We have a Lord who loves us, who comes alongside us with his word. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to allow it to change us so that uh, we would then desire to be with him and his people? You'll know you're changed in that point. So where are you today? Do you have a hope that's beyond this world or is your hope in this world alone? Jesus Christ is our only hope. In uh, John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says uh, to Martha, I believe, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says to her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, what a glorious, wonderful day this is. What a wonderful passage. And Lord, I thank you so much through your son Jesus that you come alongside us by your spirit when we are not going the right way, Lord God. You love us. And you use your word to convict us. And I pray for anyone... Here, first of all, who doesn't know you, that they would see and understand their hopelessness is based on their sin, and that they need a Savior, your Son Jesus Christ, a Savior from sin. And they would cry out and believe. And Father, for those of us who know you, may we be praising you that your Son brought about our eternal life through the forgiveness of sins by dying for us on the cross and rising from the dead. May we not be temporarily hopeless because of sin. May we confess it and get our eyes on your son Jesus through your word. May we fix our eyes on him. So thank you, Lord, for your son who died for our sins. It is in his name we pray.